Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Pastor Josh De La Rosa. It's great to have you on here watching our service online. Today I want to look at a an area that we're all presently working through. It's the area of expectations and disappointments. You know what I mean is all of us had plans for March, for April, for May, and all of those plans have been totally disrupted by COVID-19. And now we're all sort of wrestling through our responses to a bunch of disappointments. Maybe you had an expectation to go on a trip, possibly a vacation. For our family, we had planned to get away for our kids' spring break. We had a place reserved in Northern California. And the Thursday of the mandate to stay in, in shelter in place, we got a call basically saying that our our reservation had been canceled because of the countywide, statewide mandate. And so we had to shift gears, and it was pretty disappointing. I know some of you probably had birthdays. Maybe your children had birthdays, and you wanted to celebrate one way, and then it looked just so different because of our statewide mandate and sheltering in place. Uh, we participated in my mother-in-law's Zoom birthday party. A few of us, we logged on from across the state. We tried our best to sing in unison to my mother-in-law. Someone lit a candle and she blew into her screen and magically uh, it blew out the flame. And so we just tried to make the most of, of that experience. There were weddings planned that I'm sure have been postponed or maybe, uh, you know, pushed back at least for a few weeks to a few months. But I did even hear of one group, uh, one couple that uh, went on with their plans. They had their, their wedding was officiated through Zoom. Their witnesses logged on through Zoom. And so they, again, they just tried to make the most of the situation. Maybe for you, you are now working from home. And so maybe that project you had intended to be a part of, maybe it's canceled. And so it's difficult. You know, maybe this is you trying to, to be productive, but it's not as easy to be productive at home in your pajamas. I know in our church we have several that are uh, probably wrestling through college seniors that didn't get to have that final experience or, or high school seniors. You know, high school seniors, their classes were halted, proms were postponed or canceled, graduations were shifted to the fall. So right now people are just in limbo. College winter athletes didn't get to fully complete their postseason. This may not be a big deal for you, but if you were one of those college winter athletes, uh, you know, you missed out on the championships, sort of the regional uh, concluding postseason play practices and everything was was totally put on hold. I follow college wrestling and Spencer Lee is a an athlete who he won the national championships for 125 pounds as a freshman and sophomore. And he was on pace to be really the only fifth wrestler in all collegiate history to win four national championships. And now we'll never know because his a junior year uh, eligibility won't be uh, granted again. He won't be able to replay his junior postseason uh, year. And so that's done. So he's working through that. And, and on and on and on. The stories uh, are, are just, you know, we're reading stories, reading articles. But then there's a whole other reality. At this point, very few of us can really identify with those who are sick. Although, you know, you probably are reading the stories about that. Now, some of you actually do know some people who have been sick and infected by COVID-19. You might even know somebody now who has passed away. Um, there, are, there are people that have lost jobs. Or with the economic fallout, people are just, this is a shaky time right now. And depending on how close you are to people who are impacted, you might be having a hard time with compassion for others. And still, you're just working through the disappointment yourself of the situation, how it's disrupted your life. I feel for those that have lost loved ones. I feel for those that have uh, 
were not able to say goodbye to people who passed away close to them. And now they, they've even had to put their funerals on hold until they can, you know, be together and gather again. And so the big question we're looking at this morning is what do you do when life doesn't go your way? What do you do with disappointment? I know for me, I've got a lot of work to do in this area. <laughs> I've got a lot of work to do in improving my response to expectations and disappointment. So this morning, here's our focus. Don't be derailed by disappointment. And it actually flows from unmet expectations. And yet, it's really a fact of life that we're going to deal with this. Since the shelter in place, it's been somewhat for all of us, sort of a roller coaster. We've had, and for me personally, I've had ups where I'm like, we're in this together. We can do this. We can get through this. Let's have an upbeat attitude. And then there's the downs where I'm just feeling like ready to get back to life, ready to get back to normal. But it really is, what do I do with my thoughts? Where do I let my thoughts eventually go? What do I do rather than just stewing on thoughts? How am I going to lead my thoughts? In life, there are two kinds of disappointments. First, there's circumstantial disappointments, meaning this is not what I wanted. Also, there are existential disappointments, meaning it's not enough. Essentially, we hit points in life where we're just not satisfied with our lot in life. The book of Ecclesiastes talks about this. Maybe it's, there's just some things about our own personality or just some, some uh, areas of our life that we can't control that we don't like. You know, we're just not satisfied. But we're actually not going to look at existential disappointment in this message. We're going to focus more on the circumstantial disappointments because these things show up all the time. Also, here's something to note. Expectations are uncertain due to a handful of factors, and I want to list a few out for you. First, your mistakes. You and I, we do this quite often. We don't realize that our choices are going to have a negative effect. We don't see the hole in our plans, but in fact, a pothole abounds, and it causes a disruption. Also, there are others' flaws. Sometimes we count on people, and they let us down. Sometimes they didn't intend to. Other times, their track record causes us to be concerned if they're really going to deliver on their promise. Here's another type of circumstantial disappointment. It's Satan's interventions. God's enemy, Satan, he aims to disrupt, to destroy, and to distract you. Look at this example from 1 Thessalonians 2.18. One church leader named Paul, he, he writes to a church. He said, because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. You see, he felt this opposition from the enemy. Also, there's life's unpredictability. There's things you can't control. Here's an interesting verse. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 12 reads, For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare, so the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. Now, a really good example of, of this is the story of Louis Zamperini. You can watch, you can read the book Unbroken, you can watch the movie Unbroken, but it's about a man whose life was turned upside down. He went from being a U.S. Olympian, sort of like an American hero, to a drafted army officer who was shot down in World War II, and he survived a prisoner of war camp. And you might just consider watching that and asking the question, how did he wrestle through the unpredictable turn of events in his life also sometimes god gets involved for some greater purpose so god's action to do me good to build my trust and to reveal or to change my character look at second corinthians chapter one verses eight and nine we looked at this last week but again paul writes for we do not want you to be unaware brothers of the affliction we experienced in asia 
For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He actually says, God allowed this to happen. God was working through this for my good, Paul is writing. He saw this as a tool for his own good and growth, but through the hand of God. So when disappointment comes, and here's the thing, it will come. How should we respond? We have three basic tracks to choose from. We can either be mad, we can get sad, or we can trust God. And when you study the followers of Jesus, you'll find different examples in their lives. So let's look at these three tracks. First, and here's a chart to help you understand the responses. So take a look at this chart. See the different choices and see where they lead. First, I want to look at the anger track. With anger, our energy goes up. If I allow disappointment to turn into resentment, you see we go to resentment, then to anger, and then to rebellion. But if I allow my disappointment to turn into resentment, which means I have bitter indignation at having been treated unfairly, then I just feel mad. Then I'm going to be easily angered every time I get a reminder of the thing that I've lost or how disappointed I really am. This anger can be directed to God, either directly or indirectly. We start asking questions like, why would God allow this to happen to me? Or where is God right now? Or this is ridiculous. Now, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, he anticipated that Jesus was at the top of his game. On the Sunday prior to Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus rode into Jerusalem, and people there gave him the royal treatment. We call that Palm Sunday. And you can bet that Jesus' Jesus's disciples were so excited to be so close to Jesus Imagine your close friend becoming the mayor or the governor or the president. That's how the disciples would have felt. Well, all of a sudden, things started shifting. And by Thursday, Jesus began to talk about his betrayal and about his arrest and his death. Is, is, and the disciples are, are now they've got a bunch of questions. All of a sudden, soldiers come and, and Jewish leaders come and they're there to arrest Jesus. Well, Peter is disappointed and he allows his disappointment to turn towards anger. And so his, his energy goes up and he goes into fight mode. In fact, take a look at this passage from John 18. It says, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, he drew it and he struck the high priest's servant and he cut off his ear. And the servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Peter has a certain response, anger. Jesus has a different response. Jesus settled things down. And he allows the group to bind his hands and to take him to be put on trial. See, Jesus is trusting the Father and the plan that God is working out through his life. Now, that's, again, a pretty extreme situation. But Peter tended to respond to disappointments in his life with anger. He seemed to have a pattern of of reaction. And you might be able to identify with Peter. How, How do you respond when you're disappointed? Maybe right now with all these restrictions, maybe you're really battling anger. You've envisioned a totally different March, April, and May, and now you're having a really hard time with all of it. Maybe you're having a really hard time praying. Every time you, you, you try to pray, you just get angry. Maybe you feel like you're all prayed out right now. It could be that you're bothered that God has even allowed all of this to happen. And maybe you're even questioning 
God, how could you be loving? How could you be good and allow this? See, this is an example of the anger track. Our thoughts go the wrong direction and we get heated and it's a dead end. The anger that you're feeling right now, if you give into it, that is only going to be fueled by God's enemy, by Satan, by his demonic forces. And that just makes it so much easier for us to head towards rebellion. Rebellion against God and just beginning to disobey his commands. He's gonna, the, the enemy's gonna tempt you with lies. You're gonna start hearing thoughts. Thoughts like, you know, I'm done being good because look at where it's gotten me. You know, I've been good and, and just look at how bad things have become. It's not fair and, you know, I just deserve a little pleasure. I deserve a little break from all of these rules. And so the anger track, it eventually leads us towards rebelling against God. And what that does is it sets into motion a type of damage into your life that cannot easily be repaired. That's the way to pain, to judgment, to all sorts of long-term consequences. And so my word to you is just don't go there. We can also choose another track. It's called the discouragement track. It's the sadness track where our energy goes down. So we get disappointed, we get sad, discouraged, and again, we rebel. We end up at the same place of rebelling against God, but this is a different uh, path that leads us there. So our energy goes down. What I mean is we, we lose heart. We lose the motivation. We start giving up the energy to do God's work, meaning we stop doing what pleases God and we, we stop maintaining uh, the stewardships and the roles that he's given to us and he's asked us to play. So we, we just let go of things. We sink deeper and deeper into sadness. Our minds are consumed by replays of what has been lost and previews of, of all the bad that might still come. And it's sort of paralyzing. It. And when we're in, the, in that dark place of sadness, our enemy comes and again. He tempts us with lies. Lies like, hey, God doesn't really love you. And so go ahead. Act out. And so maybe you start acting out. And this looks different for, for all of us. Maybe it's just dropping our responsibilities. Maybe it's sleeping in a little longer. Giving into more laziness. Maybe it's letting the dishes just sort of pile up and the messes pile up. Or maybe it's refusing to get outside and pull the weeds. Or maybe to stop paying the bills. Whatever it is, our sadness can lead to all sorts of different forms of rebellion. And then from there, our thoughts spiral further downward like no one really likes me no one really cares about me what's the point of of playing my role it's not worth it i feel so bad i just want to feel good just for a little bit and again we start entertaining thoughts of rebellion of of how can i just feel better and so you might start being tempted to give in to things that would be totally out of bounds that could involve some some hidden sin or some blatant sin but where this often starts is sadness. It's the sadness track. Now, someone who felt this profound disappointment and sadness was Thomas. He's another one of Jesus' disciples. He was, he was along with Peter, one of the closest to Jesus. But after Jesus' arrest and crucifixion, Thomas was just crushed. And after Jesus rose from the grave, the other disciples saw Jesus alive, but Thomas wasn't with them. The, the, the other disciples were glowing with joy and hope. And so they went to tell Thomas, but Thomas refused to accept the news. Take a look at Thomas's broken-hearted pain in his response. John chapter 20. It reads, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the mark of his nails, of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. 
You see, Thomas is an example of how broken he is, how discouraged and sad he He's not going to go through all this again. He's not going to get his hopes up and, and then only to be dashed again. He, he's so discouraged. Now, this is a discouragement that is hard to get out of. But Jesus steps in and rescues Thomas from that discouragement. Take a look at the next verse, verse 26. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. I just think about this, the kindness displayed by Jesus to, to meet Thomas at his point of need. Now, how has God met you right now? Now, some sorrow is godly. It, sorrow, sometimes sorrow can be a force for good in our life. Take a look at 2 Corinthians 7, verses 9 through 10. Paul writes about this. He writes, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. He's basically painting a picture of the way the world grieves is, is not, it's not a hopeful path. But godly sorrow, the sorrow that God thinks is good, is the kind that leads us to repentance. That means to hit a point where we're willing to take responsibility, to admit responsibility for our lives, for the things that we can control, for the things that we've messed up, and we just start turning them over to Christ. It also means that we admit that we don't have control over everything and we need Christ's help to save us. Now, it's when we say, now, God, I'm willing to obey you in this way, Lord. Lord, please deliver me from the pit that I've been in. I'll do whatever you say. Please forgive me. Please help me. It's when we cry out to God. So disappointment actually can become an opportunity to experience God's help. Now, if we take the third track, it's the faith track. It's when we not, it's when we don't stuff down our emotions and it's when we don't just give in to, to mad or to sad and the, and the traps that they lead us towards. It's instead when we use our disappointment and our motivation, uh, to, to trust God. And so we move forward towards God in faith. Take a look at this chart again. This is where faith, you know, pushes our energy forward to take steps of obedience. So instead of, of sad or resentful anger, we trust God, we thank God, we ask Him for help, and we move on. Now, responding to disappointment with an attitude of faith is, is all about yielding to what God wants right now and trusting His plan. So to summarize these steps of, of faith, I'll put together an acrostic called yield. So the Y in yield stands for yield to God's will. Take a look at James 4. It talks about how uncertain life can be. James 4, verse 13 reads, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow... We will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. This is super relevant to what we've all been experiencing. We all had plans that were interrupted by an invisible virus. And he relates our lives to a mist that appears for a second and then vanishes. He continues and he writes, Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So instead of bragging about our plans, we've got to just place our plans in the hands of God. Planning is wise. It's important to do that. It's even necessary. But we need to expect interruptions and just yield to God's will. 
So while you might not literally have to say, if the Lord wills, every time, we still need to constantly just sort of remind ourselves that our plans are in God's hands, and God's plan will always prevail. Now the I in yield stands for identify what's real. We must be grounded in reality, but not just our earthly realities, our spiritual reality as well. So in the midst of all the chaos and all the swirling around, as followers of Christ, we can rest in the security of our great God. Look at Israel's greatest king, King David, what he said in in Psalm chapter 16, verse 8 and 9. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. See, the world around us may be shaking, but I don't have to be shaken. I may be isolated physically, but God is right here with me. He's right there with you. I can have joy because I'm safe in God's arms. The E in yield stands for enjoy what you have now. Uh, King David's son Solomon wrote this in Ecclesiastes 6 verse 9. Better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. This too, meaning the roving appetite, is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. What does that mean? Essentially, Solomon is saying, look, don't let your disappointment stop you from enjoying all the other good things that are currently a part of your life right now. Whenever we choose anger or sadness, we miss out on everything God has put right in front of us right now to enjoy. So focus on what's before you right now. The L in yield stands for learn from what happened. What can you learn? Maybe you've heard this verse before. It's kind of a funny verse in Proverbs 26, verse 11. It says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. It's an interesting picture there. But you may have heard the expression, experience is the best teacher, but I disagree with that. You can have, the reason why is because you can have a lot of experiences in life and keep just doing the same thing over and over and over, and that can prove to be an extremely painful experience in life. Experience is not the best teacher. It is evaluated experience that is the best teacher. Every disappointment is an opportunity for you, for you and I to really grow. If we learn from it, what might God be trying to teach you through this current disappointment? Have you ever stopped to really evaluate the tracks that you typically run on? If you don't stop, you just keep repeating the patterns over and over. Finally, the D, it stands for do right. Let's go back to James 4, verse 17 now, where James tells us to yield to God's will and hold our plans with an open hand. He says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him. It is sin. You see, you don't get to choose what happens to you, but you do get to choose how you're going to respond to the, to the disappointments in life. And as you yield to God, he will help you choose to move forward in faith and to take the necessary step and the next necessary step to just deal with the disappointment. If it's another person that has disappointed you in this season, and, and now I'm sort of shifting separate from COVID-19. If it's, if it's someone else has sort of disappointed you in life, then the right thing would be to work through it, begin to pray through it, evaluate what had happened, and, and consider what would it take for me to move towards forgiving that person. 
Or if you've been a person that you identify there's a mistake you've made, or maybe you've crossed the line of sin, then the right response right now is, what, what do I need to do? And are you willing to pay whatever price it costs to make it right? Maybe it's just dusting yourself off and getting right back up, like Proverbs 24:16. It reads, For though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again, but the wicked are brought down by calamity. My hope is that the next time we face disappointment, we can say, This is not what I wanted, but God, He will work through it, and He will work in me as I yield to Him. Here's some next steps I'd encourage you to consider taking. First, determine your default track. How do you typically respond? Do you respond in, in anger, in sadness, or in faith? Second, write out your recent disappointments and then go through the yield process with each one of them. You've got some extra time on your hands. Take some time to reflect back on some disappointments and work through this. Uh, you can use that listening guide and work through that. And then third, do something redemptive this week with your hands. Meaning, you know, this is a time where maybe fix something that is broken. Maybe plant something during the crisis and watch it grow. But I would encourage you to be productive. Do something redemptive this week. Hey, I want to pray for you. So let, let's pray together. Father, we, we just want to say thank you for uh, giving us an opportunity to reflect on how we respond to disappointment. I pray that we would each take to heart uh, this message, take to heart the principles from your word, and wrestle through it personally. Help us to identify the tracks we run on and help us to make the necessary changes in our lives so that we don't just keep repeating uh, patterns that lead to dead ends and, and damage. God, I pray for each person right now who's feeling uh, lonely, who's feeling isolated, who is feeling discouraged, uh, who's feeling angry. God, I pray that they would turn to you in this time and learn to depend on you because you never fail. You're so faithful, God. So we, we love you. We thank you for uh, helping us through a very difficult time. God, we also still lift up uh, the many who are hurting right now, the many around us who are in grief and who are sick and struggling. God, would you meet them right where they need you to meet them? Help us as people and as a church, God, to respond in love and in kindness right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.